In the time it takes to finish one stiff drink, me and my special guest, Kat Johnson, are going to talk about the importance of art in our lives. We're going to swap some stories about how art has affected us and our artistic accomplishments. And we're going to find out once and for all if one stiff drink of alcohol makes us better at origami. So stick around for this episode of The Boondock Perspective. Where class is optional. It's yet another carefree day in Maine, and you're listening to The Boondock Perspective, the show that not only loves unique viewpoints, it fully embraces them. Here with me to talk, chat, storytell, and imbibe is Kat Johnson. She's most known for her work as an artist, with work spanning from signage and murals all around Bangor, to relief prints recently on view at the Rock and Art Shop. You can also catch her educating at the University of Maine Museum of Art, and you can find her work at katjohnsonart.com. Kat, welcome to the show. I think I got everything that I should have said correct. All your accolades should be there listed out. Is there anything I missed? Not at all. Okay. Um, for the people at home who don't know you, who I hope is nobody, um, why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself, uh, how you got into the art field, uh, and any important information that people should just kind of know about you going into this? Sure. Um, so um, I've been living and working in downtown Bangor for almost like 20 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, <clears throat> but art's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I'm, I'm one of those really fortunate people where my mother really encouraged me to follow my artistic yeah. interests. Um, she saw something in me at a young age and just really encouraged me to do so. I was taking like oil painting lessons at the age of 13, and now... I went on to study art in college, get on to get my Master of Fine Arts and Intermedia at the University of Maine, and now I currently am an educator and making art full-time in Bangor. So, um, I mean, I've done, like I mentioned, I've done art my whole life, and I really, I, I can't think of what my life would be like without it <laughs> now. You know, sometimes it, it took me like a really long time to figure out how to say I'm an artist, you know, just to, to proclaim that as a part of my identity. But now I don't I don't know how I could remove it from who I am. <laughs> uh, definitely the opposite problem that people I know back home would be having. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I don't know what life is like with art. I just don't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in a very similar environment in terms of like I was raised the same. I was very supported through my parents and my family and, and my whole town was, you know, we're so close knit as a small community that everybody kind of supported what I did. Um, but I also think there's this level of like nobody expects anything to happen with it. There's a sense of like realism you need to approach mm -hmm. as an artist mm -hmm. and especially as people supporting you be an artist. It's like you can't just quit everything at right. 16, move to L.A. and hope for the best because um, you're going to fall on your face. Right. Right. Um, but with really good support and growing up, right, um, getting a level head taught to me, which isn't worded correctly at all, but I think people understand what I'm saying. Um, I think that's what helps me hone my skills as an artist because it, I knew how to do it, but I also knew when to be like, okay, take a step back, figure the real world out. Okay, now step back into that 100%, world. 100%. Right, yeah. always had my foot in and out. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting, uh, especially in Maine, the culture around art. Um, I think it's coming, it's 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 coming and it's coming hard. Like it's it's gonna be here 
really soon where there's going to be a much larger artistic scene. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's been like lighthouse paintings for a really long time and landscape art. I mean, we have a huge tradition in the state of Maine um, that coincides with the arts and fine art in particular. But um, I do agree with what you're saying. Like, there's actually starting to be more of a foothold in a downtown Bangor arts community, for instance, mm. like with all the different mural things going on and all of the different galleries that have popped up, whether it be in conjunction with a tattoo parlor or maybe just a complete art space mm. we're seeing a whole re resurgence and support for that sort of endeavor i think in our community which is amazing it's fantastic yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic i've seen so such a huge change in the time that i've been here i mean I, when i was in here like 2003 2004 it was a totally different area mm. uh well we'll pick up our conversation on art in a second but first we need to figure out whether or not Alcohol makes you better at origami. <laughs> so this is one of the few occasions where somebody actually knows how to do it going in. Like, I made my dad juggle. He, oh, he's you never did? juggled in his life. So we hope for the so best. So I'm going to talk to you while I do this because it's going to take me just a little bit of time. <laughs> um, it's not something I can do super fast, although I would like to think that I'm I'm pretty adept at it at you this point. You have smoke coming out of your fingertips. <laughs> you're going so quick, so I don't know what you're talking I'm about. I'm trying to be fast. What are we What are we making? Um, I'm going to see if I can remember... <laughs> How to make a ball. Um, so we'll see if I can do that. Oh, my brother used to make these. Uh, if it's what I'm thinking of, like a little square. Yes, like, and you can blow it you up. You can blow it up. Yeah. My brother used to make those and keep Although his change I, in them. I feel like I'm doing a cootie catcher at this point. This is what <laughs> I'm running camp. Yes, I'm making a cootie catcher. So is that all right? Does that work? Is this going to suffice or should I make an actual like crane or something? So cootie catcher. So we need to put like colors and numbers on these things. Right. I never actually knew how to make those. And you just, made it look, you just made it look so easy. Right? But we, I've been making them all week in camp, so I can definitely uh -oh. unfold this and try to do a different one. <laughs> now that it's all folded. Yeah, but that is, that's not too hard. I'm trying to remember. There's so many so origamis. So did you mess up the ball? Is that what you just did? Um, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Just bailed halfway oh, through and made okay. a cookie catcher. I think I'm just doing the exact same thing that I just did. I should have looked it up beforehand. Here I am no, boasting I didn't give you that any I warning that this was happening. How to do it from like a, the get-go. Like a good host. Oh, geez, Louise. I know it's... I promise I'm an actual educator <laughs> in the arts. Uh, I think I'm doing the same thing. Do, I'm do just art doing teachers actually thing. teach how to make cootie catchers? Like, well, or is you that do something if you, you teach just YouTube when you were... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had to ask some of my students. I'm, I, this is like the only one I can remember <laughs> right now. Um, shoot. Well, you've made a lot of squares. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I've just made beautiful folds. <laughs> oh, my word. Can we pause so I can look up how to do it? I swear I'll be able to you do it really fast. minutes to remember how to do it. I hope that alcohol improves. Oh, 30 it. minutes? I have 30 minutes? No, no, no. It, at oh. the end of the podcast, you're going to try again and hope that that, that alcohol shoot. really brings back your memory. I I know I used to know how to do this like in my sleep. This is embarrassing. I guess we're staying with the we're having to have to stay with the like fortune teller cootie catcher <laughs> because I just for the life of me can't remember how to do the other one off the top of my head. Oh my gosh, Ethan, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I can do this like every day. I promise Sorry, you. Sorry, you think my dad actually could juggle because he could not. <laughs> <laughs> so can we keep it at this? We'll just see how like so yeah how it pales in comparison made an to the other one. It still works very well. 
I'll have you it's sign it beautiful. and you can sell it somewhere. <laughs> Anybody who wants to buy this, go to catjohnsonart.com. <laughs> it's really right there. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Art. Art. I, when, I, when I grew up, uh, and it's funny knowing what you know about me and what anybody knows about me right now. I mean, I, I'm doing art in my own way, right? Podcast filmmaking, oh, even what I do yeah. at work, marketing, you know, commercials. There's there's a level of art that goes into it. Growing up, I refused to take a single art class. Really? Like I took them in middle school and I just goofed around the whole time. Same with elementary. But when I got to high school and they said, you know, art is a curriculum and it's something that you need to do. Um, I fought tooth and nail. Is that the expression? Yeah. Is tooth and nail the expression? Tooth and, tooth and nail, nail is I, the expression. Oh, I was thinking tooth and then like hammer nail. I think that's what it is. Uh, not just oh, the it's nails. tooth and nail. I think it's tooth and nail. Oh, it I just be. learned some stuff. I don't know. Hmm. Tooth and poor cuticles is really My like... dad's side note is a carpenter and was in a band called Tooth and Nail with a couple of dentists. Hmm. Dentist? Because <laughs> he was a carpenter, the nail, and they were dentists, tooth, tooth and nail. Hmm. Sorry, bad side note. Well, Sorry. nails are bad for your teeth in both <laughs> senses, I'm sure. That's right. Um, anyway, yeah, so through high school, I, I, I refused to take any of the art classes, and, and I fought, and I ended up having meetings with the principal and the guidance counselors and the professors saying, I don't want to be in this class. And the compromise was I took film and media, mm-hmm. which wasn't even considered an art class. It was just a technology class. Um, but I was able to sway them, right? And nowadays, it is an art class. But back then, when it was pretty much just a GoPro and a hmm. little stick mic, Back at my school, yeah. um, that was all I had. So that was the only art that I took in high school, um, and I was always the advocate of. They had cut funding to like the industrial arts program and the carpentry program, um, and all the woodworking programs, and give it all to like the music department, mm-hmm. which that was, was brand what new. Was like well funded, or it was well funded, yeah. And all of a sudden, the school just completely bailed and. Took, completely took away the industrial arts programs and gave it all to the to the music and art program, which was, I mean, I was standing there beside myself when they did that. And the, I mean, the community was outraged because most kids aren't going to go to school for guitar and most people aren't going to make a career out of that. In fact, most of the school, kids in my school, my class and before, most of us dropped out. Yeah. And we were working carpentry or plumbing or went to school for a trade and a did welding. Vocation. Right, we did technical stuff. So there was a huge outrage in my town regarding... Um, art. So it was always a very controversial subject in my head. Interesting. Until I got to school and college and I was going to school for film media and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm one of the few people that made a career out of this. Um, I no longer have a dog in this race. <laughs> I'm like, I, I guess I'm out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on uh, obviously art is very important to educating the youth and really anybody's lives today. Yeah. But for you, uh, what would your what's your opinions on what you're seeing in education? Well, I mean, I think unfortunately across the board, a board, you know, whether it be STEM programs or music programs or technology programs, everything is being really cut. You know, most public schools don't have the finances and support financially that they used to have. So thankfully, you know, there are institutions like the museum that I work at where we can go into the schools and supplement those programs with different free educational offerings. I actually went to Jackman, which is really cool, and I mm-hmm. got to see the Industrial Arts Center that you were talking about, and it's such a cool facility. It's one of the few of its kind. It like, it's gorgeous. It was amazing. I walked in, and I was like, are you kidding? Because, you know, the, the big door 
that opens up. It must have been like for welding and stuff. I would yeah, they imagine. had a, they had a lot. I mean, I remember when I was in school, they would the high schoolers would bring their cars and they would fix their own car during school as like a cr- extracurricular activity. I so I was pulling up the vehicle, the university vehicle with all my stuff and and I was unloading to get ready for to see the classes that day. And when the doors opened and I saw all the machinery mm. and, you know, like the welding curtains and everything, I was like, what an incredible facility. And to hear that it was defunct was really sad. Yeah, I think when you had gone, it, they had brought a little bit of funding back, but it was all part-time teaching, yeah. right? It wasn't it wasn't living to its fullest. And that's, the, that's true of a lot of rural areas in Maine because, I mean— they, there's a not enough funding for the position, I think, mm-hmm. and then B, I think it's really hard for somebody to make it on a part-time gig, right? A yeah. lot of these art teachers are just, you know, doing multiple part-time piecing piecemeal work across mm-hmm. different public institutions and maybe even private institutions. But okay, back to your question. <laughs> Sorry, I got kind of side railed there, but thinking about the glorious Industrial Arts Center in Jacqueline, Maine, but. Um, it's incredibly important for kids, regardless of, you know, what socioeconomic standing they're in, what, you know, urban, rural area they are growing up in, to have access to the arts. Because, fundamentally, arts give students access to critical thinking skills, to fostering innovation, and, you know, creativity, which can be siphoned into any single career that you ever do. I mean, I always tell people, I have an undergraduate degree in theater, that my theater degree has done more for me in my life than pretty much everything else because it's enabled me to communicate clearly with people, my interpersonal skills. Um, So, I mean, basically life is an audition anyway. So Mm -hmm. if you can kind of hone all of that, it's just you're going to be ahead of the game, Mm -hmm. so to speak. I mean, that's the fundamentals behind the... I don't know the actual terminology you may, but like the liberal studies idea is Mm -hmm. just, you know, you're going to school for one specific thing. But by knowing these other things, you'll be able to um, put that knowledge into your work in what you want to do and you'll be better at it for it. Um, For example, script writing, you know, I'm I'm better script writer because I know history Mm -hmm. and I studied history. Mm -hmm. So you could use patterns and storytelling methods Mm -hmm. that existed in the past and yeah. relay them into your into your your writing. Yeah. Same with references. You know, you can reference something from World War II mm-hmm. and people understand it. Yeah. But if I didn't take that history course, I wouldn't know that and then there would be less dynamic to my work. Exactly. Right. I'm still in the arts degree, but I you can kind of apply that to anything. I mean, even an accountant would be improved upon or would have an improved 100% career by these critical thinking skills from yeah. learning other things. And not to mention, you know, if you take just from the, you know, academic perspective, there are different learning styles, right? So, you know, most of our K through 12 education, I would say, is geared toward a reading, writing, learning skill and a hearing learning skill. Maybe touching generally on a visual learning skill, but the kinesthetic learners, those who learn by doing, I mean, they're really kind of at a loss if they're if their music and arts and technology programs are being cut, you know? Yeah. That's that's a whole quarter of the population who learns that way is kind of being cut out mm-hmm. in a traditional learning setting. So that's another reason why it's so important. And then to add on to that, the emotional and psychological benefits of having a creative practice. I mean, for those folks who don't know how to communicate and can then communicate through their work, 
for those people who have such trauma and awful things that have gone on or maybe really confusing things, maybe not just awful, but just, you know, growing up is tough and being able to process all of that in a very creative and and healthy, productive way. I mean, art gives you a vehicle to process all of the things that life gives to you, you know, and it enables you to do it on your own. And then can you can get feedback from others around you, you know, whether it be a mentor or others in your cohort, what have you. What's the most um, hurtful thing you can a, a parent or a, a teacher or a guardian can do? Um, <laughs> like, I mean, stifling someone's art, right? Yes. Like, is probably it. But is yes. there anything like you can do that or? Okay, let me change this question a little bit. I've okay, because re- I have a I've, really good memory for I, you, but I will totally divert to your next question. Okay, we'll come back okay. to that. Mm-hmm. My, my question is, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but in my experience, whenever I see a, a parent who is just supporting their kid an insane amount mm-hmm. to the point where that's the only thing that that kid knows, talks about, mm-hmm. understands— um, versus the parent who completely stifles the kid and the kid is just like the most common sense person, right? Really mm-hmm. good at other things, but mm-hmm. just doesn't have an artistic bone in their body because they didn't grow up that way. Right. Which one is more harmful to turning into an adult? Oof. Is the person who has just unrealistic dreams that are almost unattainable and doesn't have the life skill set to pursue them? Mm. Or the person who has all the life skills but doesn't really have the enjoyment that art can bring? I think that they're both in a really shitty position. Can I curse on this show? Yeah. Okay, Class wonderful. is optional. Wonderful. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yay. That's right. Um, so I think any sort of extremity is a bad situation. Whether you're putting them in the camp where that is all that they know or you have just dissuaded them to the point where they don't want to do it anymore. It's just so polarizing. You know, you have to have variety is the spice of life, right? You got to have a little bit of everything just because it is your passion. I mean, like I said, my mom was has always been so supportive of me. It's still to this day. You know, she just I go to her house. My art is all in her house <laughs> when she wants to give gifts. It's my art. You know, she's very wonderful and sweet. But um, she even said you you have to you have to figure out how can this be you know sustainable for you so you love art okay well what is what are the careers in art like how can you make this work for you and then what other skills are you going to need to just survive in the real world mm-hmm. but i will also say maybe i do think that it is worse for anybody and i want to say not just parents but educators cuz there are some really bad people out there who just want a summer vacation and a steady paycheck and a state pension. I shouldn't probably say this because I'm an educator. Uh, no, this is this I'm sure is we all think of it a couple times. But uh, they're not serving their students' best interests. They're like, you know, trying to do whatever. Maybe they have like a bad taste in their mouth. But they basically treat a child poorly and tell them that they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. I had – this is the memory. Are you ready okay, for it? Okay, cool. Came back to it. <laughs> so this is um, – I'm ready to be heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it has, a, it has a nice ending. Oh, good. It has a nice ending. So um, when I was, like, in the third grade, fourth grade, we did this I, – and I grew up in a rural town in New York, very, very small. We had a cafetorium, you know, where the bleachers are in the cafe area with the stage, and that's where we did our, like, performances and stuff. And it was, like, the Christmas show was coming up. And I remember we were doing this like melody of different Christmas songs. And I was so 
freaking excited about it. I was just singing it all around the house, loving every minute of it. And I was probably pretty loud. I was probably pretty, like, obnoxious. But I got on the bleachers. I was singing with my group. And uh, Mrs. Manning, I will never forget her. Fucking bitch. She took me out. She pulled Ms. Manning, the entire audience of this podcast is coming for you. You watch your ass. <laughs> so she she pulled me out. We were all singing. And she pulled me out. And she had me stand in front of everyone. And she said, Kristen, which is my birth name. She said, you can't sing. Sit down. And I was just, that just shook me to my core. From then on, like, I went on to do theater in high school. I never did musicals because I was just, I had it in my brain. I can't sing. Like, I I had been shamed publicly. I can't sing. Don't do it. Fast forward to, I'm in college. I'm friends with some really cool musicians. And they were wanting to start a band. And my friend Sasha, who's in When Particles Collide, she's awesome approached me she knew my boyfriend at the time and she was like we're looking to start a band we need a lead singer I think you should be it I think you'd be a great lead singer and I was like I can't sing I can't sing I don't know how to I can't do it I was told I can't sing she's like yes you can and and she and Mike Flannery and Dan Flannery all worked with me at the time and then I went on to be in two other bands and now I sing all the time it's my favorite thing in the world but like you can really damage a kid by doing something like that Mm. Yeah. Really damaged a kid. I mean, who does that? Who does that to a child? A third grader. There's like great disdain for Miss Manning, right? <laughs> but I mean, so you when you went to Jackman, uh, yeah. and I've heard this story from three perspectives: yours, your husband's, and my sister's. Oh. Um. When you were in town educating this at the school, yeah. You went to the bar and you sang karaoke, (laughs) and people were like blown away that there was actual talent in this tiny little community. Yeah, well, uh, so I love karaoke. Like I mentioned, (laughs) I love to sing. So um, I was I was running earlier that day, uh, just trying to get some exercise in because you have to drive the day before because it's just such a distance. Like places like Mm. Machias or Jackman or where have you. so you, the university will pay you to go the, the – well, not pay you, but do your transportation the night before to stay over. So you can w- wake up super early and do the whole day at the school. So the night before, I had seen on the – you know, what was the name of the place again? Schmoozes. Schmoozes. That's right. I remember thinking that was such a great name. But I saw a karaoke tonight, and I thought, oh, what the heck. And I had texted a friend of mine. She was like, oh, you should totally do it. And I'd be I surprised said, if there's anybody even there. Oh, there was a huge was table. Was there a big crowd? There was a I've gone a couple times huge... where there's must just be bad time of the year or something. It just but... looked like a reunion of like friends and family, <laughs> like a lot of like forty to sixty year old people, like at a really long table, and mm. they were having a great time. And the person in their party was also the person like running karaoke. <laughs> but I, I was just there. I was like, I got to go to bed early. Can I sing a song? And she's like, Oh yeah, you can sing the first one. And I did Jolene. I did it before Miley Cyrus, by the way. <laughs> just so you know, um, our band did. We did cover that. Um, but I, I know it backwards and forwards, so I yeah. just killed it. And then people were like, What? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Long story. And, and now, and you signed the wall, and now there's. That's you, right. you should have signed some stuff I and should, walked out. <laughs> And then, by the way, I'm very, very famous, and then signed some <laughs> no. signatures and just walked out with your head yeah, held no. way too high. Oh no, that would be fun. <laughs> it was it was a fun time. Yeah, there's a there's one thing I always really like that the high schoolers do, their high schools do, and I think this is countrywide, but I know statewide. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but they they tour and they do they put on like a play. They go in in a week, yeah. and they take all the kids and they put on a play, and then that Friday night they do a showing or two. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but I always thought that was very 
Very cool because it was very out of the norm, right? I mean, even as high schoolers, we were working 30 hours a week after school. So oh my gosh. for one week a year, we got to take time off and do something that wasn't school-related or work-related. So you did the plays too then? I did, but I didn't, I mean, I didn't act in them. I don't have the confidence to act. I don't remember lines very well. I feel like you'd be great on stage. I disagree strongly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I couldn't even get my cues right in the background, like doing lights and stuff. So like, I'm sure I wouldn't have been lights. Lighting is tough. I was in one production. I was in middle school. It was Charlotte's Web. And I had two lines. And I was the, I was a, a, I remember what we call him. The guy walking through the audience just selling cotton candy and popcorn to, like, the audience. <laughs> concessions man? The, I was the concessions number two or something <laughs> like that. And my first line was, that's some pig. <laughs> and then my second line was something I don't, I still don't remember. And my second line, I just said, that's some pig. So, like, I just said the same line twice. And that's when I gave up acting forever. <laughs> No, whenever Actually, yeah, whenever you right. mess up, Ethan, I want to be like, that's yeah. something. Yes, yeah, so I, I literally <laughs> say that now when I when I mess up every now and then. Um, I have since dipped my toes into acting. I've been in a couple like local commercials because at work we right, didn't have an actor right, or whatever. Right. But and I was in a web series, but I was the producer. I wrote it. Like it was easy to remember the lines when right. I spent months writing of the course, crap. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I guess I wasn't completely derailed, but like mm-hmm. theater acting is will just never be for me. <laughs> Well, people always say, they're like, how do you remember all those lines? But, you know, it's it's like repetition. And I say that all the time with art and art making, too, you know. Kids, I, so when I do camp and when I'm educating students, I sit down and I will make art beside them. You know, when mm-hmm. we have free time, like they're making art, I'll sit down and do the same thing. And oftentimes they'll, they'll say, wow, that's incredible. I mean... I'm, you know, 36, and I have a master's in art. So I thought you were about to say, I mean, I'm incredible. But <laughs> no, that was no. a much more no, humble way of saying No, but I've been doing that. it for a really long time, and I'd love to have that opportunity to say, well, this is like a sport. You yeah. only are as good as how often you practice. Hmm. You know, you can't, I'm, I'm honing my hand-eye coordination like in nobody's business. Brad calls me the surgeon because of my hands. Like, I can keep steady hands. I used to tie, I read back in the day about this heart surgeon who would take matchbox sleeves and tie knots inside? Matchbox, like you know, like a matchbox. You can like the old school ones. You could oh, slide yeah. that out. You could, if he would put a thread inside and tie knots inside to like hone his wow. surgeon skills. And I used to do that as a kid because I was like, I want to do that. Like, I, don't, I can't even tie a cherry stem with my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, like that's insane. <laughs> so I mean, you know, but it's practice. It's practice, just like anything else. Mm. So if, like. I mean, that's why I can type 160 words a minute. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I got. But (laughs) I'm saying, like, you would be able to memorize those lines if you were, like, practiced in doing so. Yeah. I I like to believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I hate to be the guy that puts the uh, a a quick stop on the conversation, Mm. but I do have a quick sponsorship I'm going to throw out. So you're getting married. There's a lot to do. And hey, maybe you've already done some of it. Like snag a venue, officiant, caterer, florist, photographer, and all of those other essentials. But wherever you are in that process, don't forget to consider videography. Your day will undoubtedly be special. And Northern Oak Media wants to capture every moment, every word, and every smile. Now we know that there has always been a stigma around videography. But things have changed. This isn't Uncle Joe with a shoulder camera 20 feet back, struggling to focus, and too far away to hear anything. This is Northern Oak Media, a film and video production company putting its knowledge of cinematography to work. 
Using an abundance of camera angles, crisp audio recorded on cleverly hidden microphones, vivid color schemes, picturesque aerial drone coverage, and emotional editing techniques, we give you the opportunity to completely re-experience your big day with every viewing. And yes, we have photography packages as well. See for yourself what Northern Oak Media can do for you by finding us on Facebook or by visiting northernoakmedia.com. So these are sweet. These are I'm, pretty sweet. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Me? I mean, this is some beautiful <laughs> branding. Me, uh, logo with somebody else. Andrew Loman did the logo. Love I it. did the the merch, we'll call it. Uh-huh. Haste Furniture did the furniture. And my mom and dad made the sign. This is great. Good job, mom and dad. Out of the pallets. I love it. I like how it's like suspended and a backdrop. It's fabulous. Oh, thank you. That's not a bad little studio setup for not just being all. my apartment. No, it's really it's <laughs> it's high class. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Class is optional, so it's nice that right. I have a lot of it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's this this podcast has become for me. It's 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 a creative outlet. It's like you know, it's not. It's probably never going to bring in money. It's probably never going to get a seen amount of viewpoints, right? Don't say right? that. Too soon, too soon. That's May what it. I'm going for. That's the right. That's the goal. That's what I'm going for. But it's okay if it never happens because this is right. Uh, once a year, I get to talk to ten cool people, put it on the internet, mm-hmm. take a little bit of time editing for myself. It's something that's not work related and mm-hmm. like just. It's enjoyable it's a nice little hobby. in and of itself. Yeah, and it's very. It's become very important into my life. The first season we did uh, failed. It was just. It was. It was just a huge. Drag. Like it was fun for us to produce, but it wasn't. It was your learning worth curve. It. Um, and it was like, okay, we're going to stop doing this. And it was only a couple weeks before I was like, I don't want to stop doing this. <laughs> I need to find a way to make this happen because this ended up being something I was really looking forward to. And now I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's this creative outlet that I do with this and a lot of the other things I pursue is, has become very important to, to my life, like instrumental to my life uh, and my happiness. That kind of like you, if I took this away. I don't know where the hell I would be. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know. It's important into the physiology of my being. <laughs> well, let me just say. So, um, yeah, we've talked about, like, the way art can affect you in, like, a multitude of ways, right? Your your intellectual prowess and the and what you can deliver in a career, whether that be critical thinking skills, innovative skills, um, creativity and then also, you know, the personal outlet, psychology, emotive feelings and whatnot. But there is actually a whole bunch of scholarship and research on how it affects our bodies and how it affects our physical health. And I, I've got my phone queued up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I wanted just to, like, touch base on America for the Arts is, like, a huge resource, like, an enormous well of research, beautiful quantitative, qualitative research on um, how arts affects us in a multitude of ways. But I thought it was really cool in the way that um, art affects health, our health. So um, research demonstrates that creative arts and healthcare interventions can contribute to the following outcomes when services are integrated into medical treatment and community prevention. So it reduces the length of hospital stays, it decreases Decreased need. (laughs) This is a nice drink. Decreased (laughs) need for multiple medical visits. Reduced reports of pain and anxiety related, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, right? Incredible, incredible results. And then also in the um, Canadian Observer, there's this really great article that Ethan said he would link to. It's in the description. 
in the description. Don't forget to send that to me. <laughs> I will definitely send this to you. I'm going to text it before we leave today about museum prescription where doctors are actually prescribing pers- patients to go to museums for physical health benefits. Really? Yep. I assume that's somewhere um, like not New Englandy. Well, can- Canada. Canada, you said? Canada. Yeah, They're okay. a little bit more progressive a more, there. A little more progressive, yeah. But, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, there's, there's research and uh, – quantitative analysis on how our cortisol and what is it serotonin are affected our levels are affected and those are the stress hormones and happy hormones right so when you enter a museum and you're at like such and such a level it actually decreases our stress levels increases our happy levels decreases our blood pressure Mm. so just like entering into a forest i don't know if you've heard of like shinobori i know that's that's a tie-dying effect (laughs) <laughs> Shin, Shinrin Roku is a forest bath. You sound so educated right now. <laughs> I don't know any of the things you're saying. But uh, the Japanese have done studies on like going into the forest and how that all actually has a physical effect on mm. your being. And how it's like very meditative and very relaxing and mm. reduces in stress. But art, viewing art does the same thing. And, and being around art and making art does the same thing. Mm. And that's freaking cool that's awesome hey dad that's why i watch so much netflix yeah dad it's art i'm soothing my (laughs) my psyche that's right (laughs) uh skip intro yeah i mean there's a reason i've probably been binge watched the office like 12 times right that's that's got like (laughs) added benefits with the comedy that's true because all Mm. of the laughs but yeah i mean going into i i always say it I've been. This has been a big subject on the podcast this uh, season, but I'm an empath. So for me, if if there's a week where I don't get outside and I'm just in the woods doing nothing, no phone, no technology, no communication, and I'm not just outside listening to the birds and the wind, mm-hmm. or like if during the fall I don't get to sit by a campfire three, four times a week, like I get really affected mm-hmm. to the point where sometimes it's like I'm depressed. I'm depressed. What happened? What the hell happened? Oh, I haven't been outside yet. Leave the phone. Boom. Go for a walk. Congrats on great self-awareness. It's, like, it's yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to figure that out. But uh, still, I mean, I'm only 24, so I'm happy I figured yeah, it out. Like most people you're haven't yet. Young, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it is really important to me. So I guess yeah, art is has been the same thing for me. Is uh, I do take a lot of it in. Um, I mean, as, as my decompressive self, when I'm trying to decompress, well, I do take in quite a bit of the art. atmosphere alone. Right. You're in a you're in a prescribed state where, you know, when you are contextually entering into it, you're going to have like probably a beautiful experience. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite literally, that's yeah. what most people think of when they think of art. They think beautiful, like ornate, um, decorative. Those are words we use to describe art traditionally. Right now, currently on view at the museum, we have an exhibition by Harold Gard, who is a contemporary working artist in a neo-expressionist sort of um, kind of in an aggressive way. And I keep taking the kids in <laughs> and they because we, we base we base our activities at camp in on the um, galleries, basically. So we go into the galleries, talk about the art, and then we make art based on that. So we, when we enter the Herald Guard, it's like kids keep thinking, it's gross. It's uncle, it's disturbing. Like, that looks like Slender Man. Like, there's this one that's like a black and red background with this, like, very slender figure in the foreground. Um, 
But I love that opportunity to say art doesn't need to be pretty. Mm-hmm. It should be challenging. It's it expressive. Be like, but even that, even that, the solitary action of walking through a gallery space in a climate-controlled, humidity-controlled mm-hmm. environment, which it has to be for the art, because we've got like Picasso, Andy Warhol, what have you. Um, <clears throat> it's it's nice. You're having a contemplative experience. You're having like a a relationship one on one with each work that you enjoy in the space, and it's calming. It has to be. I mean, you're you're leaving everything behind, and you're there. You're present, mm. and whenever you're present, whether it be in nature or in a gallery, that there's a decompressing quality about that. You know. Mm. I just started smiling uncontrolled. But I was just like, <laughs> all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was smiling. I was like, mm, this is true. Yay. Uh, yeah. I work right next to the museum for two and a half years, and I have never been in it. You have never been yeah. in it? Yeah. I kind of want to smack you yeah, a little bit. I'll have to bit. go in. I'll have to make sure I go in it's now. It's free. It's free and open to and the it's public. Free. Oh, Thanks no. to Dean Wealth Advisors. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Seriously, though, yeah, it's I'll free. Yeah, I'll have to go in. Uh, Tuesday through Saturday, somebody... 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. <laughs> is that all year? But That's all year long. Although we do close every two weeks, we close every three and a half months for two weeks when we switch over the exhibitions. Mm-hmm. But we have about three, no, well, sometimes like two to five visiting artists, contemporary visiting artists, so people who are currently making artwork in the modern contemporary art field, and then we have our permanent exhibitions on display as well. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I have to make a trip over there. You have to come. Next time I feel like I need to be in the woods, I'll just go to the museum see see what happens. Yeah, it's a different experience, but it's it it will have physiology, mm. physi physi physiologically. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cheers on that one. Yeah, that, oh <laughs> it's sweating. It's sticking. Yeah, everything's hot. Man, summer is not my friend. <laughs> um, Brad said I should wear something airy. It's like, put something light, honey. It gets hot in here. I need to start filming this in the winter. Yes. Because <laughs> it's a mistake to not do that. All right, so let's talk about your art. Okay. Um, so you produce relief somethings. Prints. prints. Yeah. Relief prints. Mm-hmm. Which, and that's an, like, it's a linoleum carving, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be, that's complicated. Someone it tried is. explaining the process to me the other day, and I found it very complicated. Why did you choose to express yourself in an art form that's so difficult? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, so uh, I want to just start by saying my I've been I was tr- I was traditionally paid. Uh, excuse me. Trad- <laughs> traditionally <laughs> trained as a painter. So I did oil painting. Then I did acrylic painting. Then I did watercolor painting. Then I did gouache painting, which is the best. Gouache is the best way I can kind of describe it is it's like an opaque watercolor so it's watercolor kind of viscosity but it has like the way it handles like the liquidity of it but it has like uh it doesn't have this sort of transparency that a watercolor has um but i i took a printmaking class in undergrad and i've always loved printmaking printmaking is like I don't know. So it has a history of like social justice as well because linoleum prints were traditionally made like way back in Western Europe and like the turn of the century, maybe even earlier than that. Forgive my art history knowledge. But people would literally carve up the floor to make posters for their events. <laughs> so there has this incredible history with it. But then also the physical 
like quality of carving a block, you're literally removing the negative of the image and leaving the positive. Mm -hmm. So like, I like Buddhism. There's something really wonderful about all of that. You're removing you're not the adding negative. something to, you're not yeah that's interesting it's, it's a reductive technique or, yeah. it's not an additive technique so this is kind of similar actually so if you were to print this right so a um we think of like etchings we have a woodburn signed in the studio for all the audio listeners <laughs> yes that's right thank you thank you yeah so um uh so the woodburned text right if you were to ink that you'd get a different quality with the ink than on the wood itself. Although the wood has a grain, so the the ink that would fall into the grain would deposit and print differently than the surface of the wood. But on a relief print, you are essentially inking up the surface of the block, and everything that has been carved or taken away becomes the the same color as the paper or the white, if you mm -hmm. will. So it's it's an opposite sort of mirror effect that you're achieving um, now if you want to do two colors you need two two cutouts two blocks yeah Oof. so for every print that you see and like screen printing on a t-shirt like you're wearing a t-shirt right now so the blue is one screen and the red is another screen and then the sort of like gray is another is a third screen there's green here. so there's three oh, screens there's screen printed onto that image so if you were to do this one you'd probably you, this would have been the relief of it this is more like an etching the way that this is done so intaglio is the reverse. It's a whole thing, you guys. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like this sort of monastic, laborious process. I like really the kind of meditative, slow, controlled engagement with the block. Something for that, for me, is, is I don't know, it's therapeutic. Mm. Talk about your process. Like is it how many oh. like like I mess something up 150 times before I get it right? Is Me it like too. A, is it the same thing where you yeah, just kind of nope, not right? Garbage. Well, the best thing with printmaking is, is it's it's completely different than like you're sitting down to a canvas and you're going to paint a picture, right? You're laying all of that, you're adding all of that mark making onto the canvas, and if you if you mess up, you have to basically paint over it. Printmaking, you do like so much preliminary work. So for me, in the prints that I showed at the Rock and Art Shop, a friend of mine, Catherine, posed for work. And in, in addition to that, I took photos. That's a real person? Yes. Oh. Yeah, she's a I friend see, of mine. I saw the art, but I thought it was like a yeah, Catherine, figment of your Catherine imagination. Yeah, Catherine You're beautiful. Um, uh, <laughs> that is a very beautiful printout, actually. There's a couple of thanks. them that she yeah, posed in, right? Yeah, posed, she, posed she posed for a whole bunch of pictures. She was wonderful and fantastic. And then... Um, from those photos, I took, we both agreed upon ones she felt comfortable with and then ones I was really enjoying aesthetically because I was kind of looking for that, like, classic inspired, you know, like, you know, this sort of gathered fabric along the female form. You know, it's beautiful. It's, it's been around for centuries. Um, but I also took photos of plants. So I start with a photo that I myself take. Mm -hmm. And then from that photo, I do a detailed line drawing. Then that line drawing is transferred onto tracing paper because tracing paper has a certain transparency that when you flip it onto the linoleum block, because everything's reverse, right? Mm -hmm. So if you do your drawing, you know, like this, you have to flip it onto the block like this so that when you print it, it goes back like this because mm -hmm. everything is reversed. So um, I, would, I would transfer my drawing onto the tracing paper so that when I put it on the block and you, you have to 
use a bone folder or some sort of like really hard edged object to rub the back of the pencil line to transfer onto the linoleum plate. So then you get the you get all your lines that you made, like you meticulously drew, onto the block. And then I go back in with a permanent marker so that when I'm I don't know if you ever remember this from art class, but if you're moving across a page this way, if you're right-handed or this way, if you're left-handed, you start to drag all the mm -hmm. material across the paper, right? Smudges. Mm -hmm. So I go over with a permanent marker onto the block so it's solidified before I do any carving. Because it's, I mean, 18 plus hours for one block. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I, Brad would, my husband would have to tell me to stop and eat because I would just be doing it for hours. And he's like, you you're protein. hurting yourself. You need protein you and know? potassium stamps. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, once you get into it, you're just like. <laughs> and it's such intricate work. But anyway, but that's basically the process. So then you've got the block carved. You do multiple blocks. Each block is a different color. You ink them up. You place a piece of paper on top of the block, the matrix. And it's all lined up in a key, like kind of puzzle system. And you put the paper I don't have a press. I don't have like a press that will like run it through evenly. So I do it all by hand. I put the paper on the block and I rub the back of it painstakingly to make sure the ink transfers to the paper. And then you peel it off and there's your print. You make it sound so easy, even though it's so <laughs> complex. Sorry, that was long winded. But I don't know how to, to shorten explain it. That. I think I've done it before. I think you used to make like stamps the same way. Yes. I used to make stamps. stamps are exactly the same way. It's just like. The stamp pad is already inked up, so you're just putting the matrix onto the stamp pad mm. and putting it onto the paper. But that's a print. Yeah. Yep. Um, I really wish I could have bought Catherine. The... I still have a few, and I can make one for you if you want. <laughs> yeah, that'd be terrific. But I, I, I would have, I mean, I like to support art, but oh. also there's a, I'm 24 and like have a yeah. apartment that I really couldn't put it in. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would have loved Which to Which one did you like? One. The one where the she one was the, the one that was on the brochure or the oh, pamphlet. Oh, where she was reclined. Yeah, in the, yes. with the blue robe or blue fabric around her. Yeah. It was just such a nice photo. Oh, thank you. Um, She's gorgeous. <laughs> I'll have to stalk her on Facebook, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but be like, hey, um, you posed right? for a picture once and it was beautiful. <laughs> She's really funny, too. Mm. I have a question for you. Yeah. And this came up recently in a conversation. I don't remember who I was having it with, uh, but it's not important. Um... If you did not go into, like, the art field, mm. mm -hmm. what do you think you'd be doing for a living? Um, when we did those sort of um, interest in careers early on, I remember, like, in, like, sixth grade, seventh grade, like, middle school, maybe even high school, investigating careers and, like, having to write papers on, like, different career paths. I don't know if you had to do that, but we had to yeah. do that back in the day. All of mine were in the medical field. Really? Yeah, acupuncture, surgery, uh, massage therapy. I think I'm also an empath. I definitely consider myself an empath. I have a really hard time seeing somebody having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I work well with my hands, and I'd like to use my hands to heal people. I think that would definitely be what I would do. And then I think those skills would translate really well, too, you know, like with the matchboxes mm -hmm. and everything like that. So <clears throat> are there any other ways that you think that uh, your profession now would translate into the profession you think you'd have without? Because mm. for me, and, and I'll start with, it, I'll I'll talk about me first. I, uh, <clears throat> well, I was asked the question the other day, what would you be doing 
uh, I think it was actually your husband. Really? Yeah. I think I think <laughs> we're it was looking like, over there. Yeah, yeah, he's on, there. Brad's sitting on the couch. Was that you? <laughs> was that you? What I'd be doing? Yeah. Yeah, it was you? Yeah. What you would be doing if you weren't doing what you're currently doing? Yeah. Yeah. Brad was in episode one. I think he was episode or season one, episode four. I drank too much. Comedy. He says he drank too much. <laughs> That's a good episode. Um, no, so he asked me, right? Thanks, Brad, for the topic. Um, he asked me what I'd be doing if I didn't go into art or into uh, film. Yeah. And I originally said architecture, but then when I mm. sat and thought about it, I said I think I would have gone into psychology because they're like the same thing. <laughs> like I agree one hundred percent. Yeah, every yeah. everything I do relates back to how I feel, how somebody feels, what influences those emotions. Uh, so I was thinking about it quite a bit, and I was like, "Yeah, I definitely would have gone into the psychology field." I don't think I would have realized why, mm-hmm. but I think that no matter where I ended up in life, I would have somehow ended up working somehow with psychology. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have been an accountant, I wouldn't have been an architect. Right. I would have been somehow interacting with people and emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if film and video was taken out of the equation, I think I probably would have ended up in some kind of counseling service. Um, and it's exact. I mean, people look left on. In a, in a video frame, someone's looking left means they're the bad guy versus if they're looking right, you know, it means they're the good guy. And in, in it translates to English. You write left to right, so you're more comfortable with the, with in, left to right. In Western society. In Western yes. society. Yeah. And, yeah, and then it's fascinating because if you go to, like, Asia where right. things are reversed, like, it's the opposite in film. Yeah. Which is why sometimes movies don't – you don't see a lot of translation, translation between yeah. the two cultures yeah. uh, and the two parts of the globe because things are literally backwards. Mm-hmm. And it makes us – we just don't understand it, mm-hmm. how it's written or how it's artistically mm-hmm. presented. Um, but just all of that psychology just laid out on a – whenever I look at a movie and I can study it frame by frame, decision by decision, shape by shape, color by color, all I'm doing is studying psychology, mm-hmm. whether people realize it or not. And it wasn't until last week I think I had that conversation with Brad – that I had that realization that oh I'm I'm a psychologist but I made I turned it into a profession in film yeah so so going from that throwing you the ball okay. and giving you the baton yeah uh, how do you think that art relates to the medical field and like is there a correlation oh my gosh totally so. Um, I currently still have some of the work up in the Damaso lobby. They moved some of it because they put up a new donor wall. But when the Damaso lobby of the St. Joseph Hospital was opened, um, they had a call for art, and I was one of the person, one of the people who um, submitted work to be there. And I thought about it really carefully. Okay, it's art in a public space, but it is also art for folks who have to be in a hospital. And that's never a fun experience, right? That's never a beautiful, meditative kind of, I don't know the way to put it, but like a calming experience, right? So I tried to set out to create art that would kind of mentally remove people from their current situation and engage them with that in a different way. So the colors were really vibrant and colorful. I wanted them to be based in nature. And I made a key that, so all of the paintings were a soil region that is native to the state of Maine superimposed onto a silhouette of a a piece of you know grass or flower that grew in that region so you could go back to the key so it was kind of like an engaging piece of artwork that would enable them to kind of take themselves out of where they currently were learn a little bit more about the state have a little bit of a sunny experience learn a little bit more about the flora and fauna of our state and kind of engage that way. 
Did that answer the question? We're getting a lot of artistic, <laughs> like, flow and how it came to be, but how it related to the medical profession, did it, I think, I'm still waiting for that to be touched on a little bit more. You said you were good with your hands, right? But there's there's more to it on, on the psychological level, I feel, of, oh, like, yeah. how I will being tell an you... artist relates to being in the medical field. Because oh. your similarities, what trait is it that you have that it's that relating could have put to human on... beings? I think. I there mean, really, I think that's really what it is. It's a good one. Because, you know, I think we're all trying to work through our experience and then create a piece that people can then view and, in some way, have a relationship to our experience. So it's creating an empathetic relationship. And I think that at the core of civilization, we need to be more empathetic because if we're not relating to one another, I mean, we're just going to keep fighting and keep destroying and keep creating a really awful mm. world that we're living in. We're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at that. But um, in tying into the medical field and all of that, I mean, are, in reference to like the dexterity, like the technical prowess it would take to create a work of art versus to surgically remove a tumor from someone i think they're on the same page i think really adept technical artists and draftsmen could parlay those skills with i mean a significant amount of study and research into that field but could use those physical skills into that field in the medical industry Mm. very easily i really do believe that Mm. because it's the same hand-eye coordination It's, it's fine motor skills Right? A love for the technical aspect of what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can get lost in it. Can't you? In what I do? Oh, what I do annoys the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I I do it because I'm passionate about the end product. Oh, okay. So it's an it's it's an end to the means. Yeah. The the forty hours it takes me to edit a wedding film is the most annoying thing in my life. I procrastinate on it every day. My contracts say I have to get them done between ninety days because I'll procrastinate for eighty four. Yeah. But. What I love about doing it and the reason why I continue to do this is because when I see that end product and I get to send it to a bride and groom and sometimes watch it live with them and I get a oh, tear out of the, the groom yeah. and just nothing but smiles out of the out of the bride. Like there's nothing more satisfying than of that to me. Of course. And yeah. it, that comes down to human emotion and, and knowing that psych- I use my knowledge of psychology to trigger this emotional response to give somebody a gift and of right. like documenting their villain. And the same, it translates to why I make movies, why I make the podcast, why I make the web series, why I do what I do at work uh, in, uh, for a marketing firm, right? It's it, it all kind of the same. It's healing all across the board, right? I mean, essentially, that's really what it is. Or it's like, I guess, healing in like the broad sense of bringing wellness mm-hmm. to a being, like happiness, presence, et cetera. I love to solicit an emotional response. That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, most of the time in good ways, but like, <laughs> it's nice to know that I have the power to like make someone cry in a bad way yeah. <laughs> on, on film, which is a terrible thing to say, but like, well, back to, like I mean, that's how like movies like Up, like Disney movie, they make you cry in the first four minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that's terrible, but it's a beautiful work of art. Yeah. Eliciting emotion is important. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel human. That's why I do what I, I do. That's why I pursued art. Um, so I... I'm about to finish my drink, which symbolizes that this conversation is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. But we still got to find out whether or not alcohol made you better at origami. There, first right. fold started for you. All right, All right. thank you. All right. Now, what, are we so. going for? what are we making this time? 
So I think I remember the ball. You spent the last 30 minutes thinking about that? I thought about, about it. I thought about it. And I think, I think I remember the ball. I'm kind of, for all of my imbibing friends along the way, hope for them. This looks like the alien from Stranger Things. <laughs> it does. It does look like that. That's Brad's, like, <laughs> icon on our Netflix account. <laughs> and mine is the lady from... Uh, this looks more accurate <clears throat> than what I'm the... watching right now. Yes. No, I remembered it. That's what I'm saying. So does alcohol make me better? Yeah. So, I, so if this is correct, alcohol made you better or... Well, now mm. I'm here, Ethan. It's all the way home. There's no messing up at this point if you didn't get it this time you would have ended up googling it and like really upset with yourself for i would have been it, yeah. very upset <laughs> but this is like muscle memory at this point i just missed the first the first step and not knowing that really effed me up this is fascinating this is the part kids always have the the trouble with the stuffing it into the little envelope sleeve that you made for yourself they're like i can't do it and you're like let me do it for you I want them to do it for themselves. You need bigger fingers. I want them to do it for themselves, but, you know, there's also, you know, they they can learn from seeing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Yay! <laughs> you put your lipstick on it, too. Sign this, and you're going to sell that for money. <laughs> there's DNA on this, people. So that's better. <laughs> I, I improved. Look at that. All right, so alcohol makes you better at origami. Apparently. We've solved it. All right. <clears throat> so I need to give you a shameless plug. Oh, okay. So anything that you want to promote, talk to yourself about. The sign is really moving. Here, I'll study it. <laughs> uh, Right to the camera, tell the people at home where to find you, what to know about you. Okay, um, if you want to follow me and my art, I would say at Miss Cat Johnson on inst Instagram. <laughs> Instagram, Instagram would be my the best place to find me. CatJohnsonArt.com is my website. I hope to have an e-com part of the site up soon. Um, other than that, you can find my work at the Rock and Art Shop for sale and my educational stuff and the museum at large. Is just an incredible resource to everybody around town and in our entire state of Maine. UMMA.UMAine.EDU slash education will tell you about all the different things we're doing there. And we're free Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thanks to Dean Wealth Advisors. So please stop by in downtown Bangor, 40 Harlow Street, Bangor, Maine, 581-3300. <laughs> I had to give the address for where I work today in the FedEx guy, and I forgot it. And it's very easy. <laughs> yeah, it's like 6th Street, State Street, right? That's it. <laughs> I forgot it. I completely blanked on it. So you memorized a lot of information for where you work. You well, must be very passionate about it. I say it a lot. Of, yeah, I am passionate. <laughs> I am passionate about it. All right. Well, it was really, really nice talking to you. I, Thank I'm, you. This is a fantastic. Are we holding way, you? This is a fantastic way to close the the podcast out. Um, thank you for watching season two. For those of you who watched, this was a very, very rewarding season. I talked to a lot of really, really cool people. Cat Johnson being one of the top of the list. 
Uh, really hope you guys check out her stuff and uh, show some some love and support and uh, try and encourage a season three. This is actually kind of difficult. I try and do ten episodes a year, so if you end up really liking what you saw this season, please let me know. If you love the episode, let me know. Give Cat some love. And I must close out with my closing statement, which is I can never remember. So Ethan was fantastic. You should totally subscribe. Three, season three needs to happen. It is awesome. Ha! <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, so on top of being available for your viewing pleasure on YouTube, you can also download the show for free on iTunes, Spotify, and add the Boondock Perspective on Facebook and Instagram for sneak peeks and highlights. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Bye. <laughs>